Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo press now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another episode, got the gang all together, and it's kind of a dull moment in the uh, Guild Ball world. Not a lot coming out news-wise, but we're going to go ahead and get some content going anyways. Got Pete with, uh, with Chris and John. How you guys doing? I'm doing well. Just chilling, bro. <laughs> Just hanging out. Just hanging getting out. Getting ready for how's that? Dude, it's going to be a blast this weekend. Are you uh, getting ready? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Yeah, I'm very ready to play some Game of Thrones board game with uh, the crew. And that's you're going to re-roll dice, right? Uh, not in Game of Thrones board game. I don't have to worry about no fucking dice in that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch a video because we got a bunch of us signed up because I think uh, Chad said he had the expansion. So we can play, what, eight of us in that? Yeah, eight, eight houses. Yeah, so it's going to be fun because we're going to play a bunch of Guild Ball on Saturday. And then we're going to just... You know, drink and play board games and, you know, maybe some Dungeon Mayhem. We broke out Dungeon Mayhem last night and played it. It's so much uh, fun. <laughs> that is that is a ton of fun. All right, so, yeah, we got going to have a good time this weekend. We'll let everybody know how it goes. Uh, a couple of the games are going to be recorded, and uh, Brian Will from Raleigh, he's going to go ahead and do the battle reports again. And if you guys haven't checked out Momentous Inspiration, it's a YouTube channel that Brian created. And he puts out a bunch of content that he's starting to do for Guild Ball. Uh, we're also going to bring him on, and he's going to help us edit video content for Rage Quit Wire. So it's going to be really cool to see what we're going to put out and get 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 out there for the public the next, next weeks and months. Are we? Yeah. That's something we're doing? Oh, yeah. We're it's happening. Well, put your good. fun hat on. We've talked about something it for a while. Doing. Yeah. I don't know who this we is, but okay, cool. <laughs> Pete. It's really just Pete. Well, Good what idea, are you talking guys. about? I recorded games with you that never got published. Yeah, well, that's because Pete doesn't have time to video edit. You so don't even sleep, I brought Pete. Somebody, what do you mean you don't have I brought time? somebody on that uh, that can do that. <laughs> it's like, Chris isn't going to edit the videos, and I don't have the time to, so we brought on a third party. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, what the hell are we talking about tonight? Uh, well, we could bitch about some things. All right, so here's the plan, folks. We're going to bitch about a couple things. And then once we're done with that, we're going to talk about some hobby and stuff. So if you're one of the people that you like to hobby, you're probably going to like this episode. We're going to talk about Chris is our basing extraordinaire. We got John, who is our goal goal-making supreme. And then <laughs> I can speed paint like a motherfucker. So we're just going to share some things and thoughts about those three topics. But first, we're going to just talk about some things that have been kind of, yeah, just driving us nuts kind of this part of the season. So I think the first thing we want to talk about is just this this damn vet bore. <laughs> here's, here's a serious question. Is All right. what constitutes a nerf? Like, how, where do stats have to be? You know, on a serious note, I want to know, I really like to know where Stephen Forge feels like a numbers or how good something has to be 
to justify nerfing it. Well, because you would think those numbers would be vet bore. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. Well, good. Let's throw some stats out there. I know we don't have Steve. I Brown, think he but... needs a buff. I think he needs two armor. Yeah, right. Suck. But let's let's throw some stats out there. Even though we don't have not, we'll throw some stats out there. So that boar is sixty-one percent win rate. Yeah, he's he's definitely creeping up there. I mean, he's kind of getting close to where I mean the miners were, right? Right. Sixty-one percent. Well, and here's the thing, and he just and this is what we were talking with other players. Like we talked about Bill Anderson when we talked about season three uh, Thresher. Mm-hmm. And how it really is a very forgiving, you know, if, if when something is so forgiving that it kind of puts the game in easy mode for the player, that's kind of a problem. It's like when you lose a game that you shouldn't lose because you played it right, it's just that model's so damn good that it just powered through whatever you had set up. That's a problem, right? It And John, you and I were talking about this. When you play against Vet Boar, it almost seems like it's on the Vet Boar player to not make mistakes for you to win. Right. I mean, a great example, my last game at Spring Fling, I played Neil Burns, who played Blacksmiths. And I went, I went through the first two turns like, I'm losing this fucking game. Like, there's no way. He's outplaying me. I missed some big rolls that I needed. And then all of a sudden, that board just started killing everything. It's like, oh, well, I can't help but kill things. And I won the game. Like, And I felt like I kind of got outplayed. Yeah. He, made, he made like one or two positioning errors that allowed that board to be in. Which just turned the game around completely. Yeah, and it's also, when you look at it, I just played my first game with Vet Boar against you, John, right? Yeah. And you've had a handful of games with the engineers, and you're trying to figure out Rivet. And when we played that game, I was just able to look at it and say, okay, I'm just going to hang back. Okay, you bunched up. Now Boar is going to go in and just kill three models. If you haven't watched the Bird Bots Challenge on uh, what's... Uh, his, uh, don't uh, run the length. Run the length where they blindfold bots, and he plays Josh Josh uh, Chichester, I think. Yeah, from uh, Michigan. So Pat moves bots's butchers around and does everything bots is saying, and bots is like blindfolded, like the Bird Box movie. Yeah, and he still beats the fuck out of the navigators. <laughs> sure does. I don't think it's because, <laughs> and I, and I mean, I, of course, bots is a good player, but I think I don't think it's because bots was so good though. I think it's just. That board kills things. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, boar can go into a model that's alive and kicking and just kill it and still have influence to spare or attacks to spare, I should say. Right. So, what was what was Thresher's win percentage back when he was broken? Do we remember? Sixty-eight. Uh, I mean, 68. I mean, yeah, those those were like the dark times, right? Huh. <laughs> so, I mean, what's an acceptable win percentage? Like fifty-seven. And I see that's the thing though. I don't even know if they were going to nerf the miners until they saw the uh, what was that the French finals where it's like it was all miners, right? So I don't I don't know if it's more of a feel or if it's more of a a stats thing. And I think it's a I think they've said multiple times it's a mixture of both. I just want I need, I want to like a formula for it. Well, and I think, honestly, something that might might just be an easy fix to it, because it's like, yeah, he kills, and that's fine. People are saying that maybe if he was a 2-2 captain, okay. that that might help out a little bit. Oh, my God. Like, when you played you played the other day, and you played that same lineup that I like, it's 2 on Boar, 4 on Shank, 4 on Boiler, 3 on Cinnamon. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Let 10 yeah, drivers just sit there. 
Yeah, and I mean, Tenderizer is a good uh, battery. He's going to slow down scoring teams, and yeah, it's just going to be a tough time for people coming into it. Yeah, I mean, sixty-one percent. That's just, just this. This is why I'm bitching about it. You know what Scotha's win percentage was when she got when the hunters got nerfed? Fifty-eight. Fifty-seven point eight. Yep, that's about on. Which was also <laughs> Thresher's win percentage when he got buffed. Yeah, and I mean, miners are still up there, right? And uh, I think fish. I think Corsair's still up there too. Yeah, Corsair was. Uh, he's fifty. He's hanging around fifty-five. I mean, just consistently fifty-five. Yeah, and honestly, so and here's the thing, though, and I, I've kind of told a few people about this. That's so I'm playing rat catchers for how's that, and butchers is the one matchup that I'm looking at, and I'm just like, if. I can't bait the butcher player into making a mistake. I, I just gotta hope I can get three goals before he kills all my all my guys. And and it, I think there's nine people playing butchers at how's that? So that's almost you know what twenty percent of the field. Yeah, I don't so understand it, why. I understand why I need to play the navigators because I lost the bet. But I don't understand why you two retards decided to let the community choose who you guys have to play. Well, well no, I, I want to play rats. Like, that's not something I let the community choose. That's actually something I bounce. You to. got peer pressured and into I, it after Spring Flip. I mean, that's true, but I actually think I can do, now that I have the games with them, I think I can do really well in the tournament. I expect to go at least 4-2, and two, hopefully 5-1 and one is kind of what I'm shooting for. But the problem is that the Butcher matchup is kind of an uphill fight and i just have to see see what i can do into it it's just it's it's going to be really dicey and i just got to try to spread out and kind of make some make the butcher player make some tough decisions yeah, i i did it because i think mean, i played butchers and i was pretty good with them and now i just wanted a different challenge so i found some teams that i was interested in and couldn't decide in time so i just let the community decide to make because i just want well, to have a challenge have well and rivet there. rivet's a beast man like some of the things you're doing with him like salvo's ridiculous oh, salvo's he's so, so yeah he's such a good toolbox and he just really opens up those tax six strikers that you have in that rivet lineup you've been running i mean it's pretty ridiculous like velocity reliably hits that tackle double dodge yeah she, <laughs> especially when she charges her free and then she's she like wraps and double push, double dodge, tackle, double dodge. <laughs> yeah, yep, all over the place. So, yeah, it's just it, there's some really cool things you can do with Rivet. So, I mean, and that's the thing where it's like I don't even mind like these powerful captains that are coming out because they do make the game interesting and you get to do some really cool things. But I think that board being powerful plus the efficiency of the team like you don't even have to make a decision where your influence is going you're just like oh i'm just going to max out these four models and these are my two batteries and i'm good to go right but there's it's 61 percent and there's so at 61 you look at the other end there's three captains at 39 percent below if they yeah. just brought them down to two two that would easily fix it yeah i definitely think it helps no i think it would well, easily just, fix it because you don't get the work out of the other the other models and we already know the other models are balanced for getting the extra damage with ox so like when they don't have ox to do extra damage with they're not nearly as powerful the the supporting squatty models so 
the the benefit that they have is they're kind of getting that extra support by just having more influence to spread around to them. So if they just brought it down to a two-two for vet vet boar, they would have no problem. Um, yeah. Have, have you made six attacks with Shank yet? Because it's pretty good. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, pretty I know. Good. So th- that's what I'm saying. Like you're you're able to do that kind of stuff, but if you did it that way and you put four on four on Shank. Well, then you're you're losing something somewhere else. So I say you make them a two-two. It bring it does not bring them any lower than fifty-five percent. But that's fine. No I one's mean, going to cry about a fifty-five percent cap. Right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he's still going to be very good. It's not going it, to. Yeah. At least but, uh, maybe. Like, like I only care if it's broken, right? I don't care if somebody's very good, like or or a really solid captain. That's not that's not something right. that I'm going to complain about. I care if something's broken, and. Personally, yeah, I would like him to have sturdy and have two armor or one or the other. <laughs> yeah, go to hell. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I, I think a, a model like a MASH is actually a really good answer to Vet Boar. Oh, yeah, there there's that. You can have... Uh, Why? Because he's got two-inch reach, he's got the resilience. And then he has how's that. And then yeah, he's going to bounce just, him out and knock but him you down. Just pop, but you just pop it with Mark Target and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. You take steps, and that's why I'm okay. I'm also okay with Vet Boar just being a murdering machine. Like, fine. I think Boiler needs to lose Mark Target. I mean, I don't know about. There's, I mean, there's too there much is, threat extension. In the you're game. right. There, you're right. There is. I mean, but I mean, that's that's the life that the butchers are living in right now. Well, other, right, otherwise, I mean, we have the problems of old, which are the ones where they're not fast enough to get there, and then they're glass cannons too. So. The, yeah. Like what you're suggesting would actually be truly terrible if they don't have threat extension. I understand that right now they have two really good options because what Cinnamon brings is a different named play than Mark Target, so you can stack them. I, I get that, but at the same time, if somebody's bringing Vet Boar, Vet Boar is doing a ton of work by himself and then is enabling the other models to do more than average work because he doesn't get to use the influence he's generating. So I think that I think the key is that influence element. Like just bring him to a two-two, and I think that really fixes it. I think he'd be a. I think it, it's either that, or you take away the threat extension and leave him how he is. Because if if you knew if he was a controlled threat extension. Then you could kind of you could work around him a little more, but the, the yeah, fact, you're saying you're saying if you knew he was just a static nine, right? And there was no other way to do it, get around it, and that was just him. He was a linear a linear nine. Then he'd be. Well, then you still get all the work out of him. You just don't get the the reach. The problem going, is you can't do that because if you take away what cinnamon does, it really screws up those cooks. Cinnamon has well, to, some argue the cook. Some argue the cooks need to be worked on, anyways. I say cinnamon does what she does, and the cooks are winning what forty percent right now, anyways. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if they didn't have the so so they're they're another team where like if you make them slower and their glass cannons like they're they're just totally fucked because they're already having a struggle winning. So you can't do away okay, with so all make, the threat extension if that's going to be a model that stays. I mean, that's simple. Make make it set bake squatty. Um, yeah, make it where it can only affect like a squatty. Yeah. One squatty. Yeah. Squatties. Yeah. All squatties. Just no, no, are non-captain. 
Yeah, no, but you need it for you need it for Wellington. Well, uh, Wellington's more of a kind of support piece, anyways. That's fine, but you still he, he still needs the help. He they're, needs a lot more than that. They're fu- yeah, well, they're yeah. I mean, but like keep three. in mind, cook cooks are like season three, right? So I mean, they got a lot of issues that are, you know, kind of kind of have season three problems. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's just something that there are ways to work around him. But like you said, John, I mean, you used Fuse and you wanted to try and place Boar in a bad situation where he couldn't charge. But I put him in a spot where it's like, okay, even if you do place me, you can't place me in a bad spot where it's going to save your team. So once again, it's kind of on the butcher player to make that mistake, right? So get this. So I mean, let's, let's go back to stats. So we're, we're talking broken in balance and stuff. So I'm looking at all, I'm looking at the captain model since the last errata. How many captains? How many captains are there total on this list? I mean, there's a bunch of blacksmiths. Let's see. One, two, three. What's I don't know three? what you're looking up. What's fourteen times three? Oh man, what do you think? Us? If you expect us to be math wizards, it's forty-two. <laughs> it's forty-two. Yeah. All right. So there's forty-two total captains on Longshanks. I am a math wizard because I'm Asian. How many of them do you think are above fifty percent? Uh, six. No, there's more than that. I don't think the numbers would work out for that. Uh, Ten? <laughs> no, if there's 42 Close. captains, then I would imagine that the you probably are going to have somewhere in the ballpark of like maybe 25 that are over 50% because a lot of people that the sucky ones, people won't play as much. You'd think that, but it's 11. Oh, that's weird. Ah, see? 11 so captains. That, so that means that there's 11 captains that people are overwhelmingly choosing and just dumping the other ones or not practicing with the other ones or not trying to figure out how to win with the other not, ones. I mean, not necessarily because one of them, I mean, Corker's one of them. He's only got 53 games. Smoke's got 335 games. Shaft's got 608. Boar's got 720. Uh, Steeljaw's only got 177. Corbelli's in there, 96. Oh, so like basically new captains is what you're saying. Um, let's see. Rivet is not in there. It is Corker, Corbelli, Vetbor. Shaft is new. Steeljaw's new. The ones in there that are old are Smoke, Hammer, Anvil, Corsair, yeah, I, I, Thresher. I think I think it's where you start scalpel. to get into that sixty percent range is where that that's kind of concerning. Um. So yeah, yeah, that's just, the only time I, it's I concerning. Like if if someone's in the in the mid 40s you know somewhere in the 50s like that's not that's not of concern yeah so i i just i think that it's just it needs to be just worked on i mean and it's one of those things where it's up to them i mean it's their game if they want to keep it this way and be like yeah butcher is just you're having your time in the sun kind of like that decimate I mean, Vet Decimate was destroying people for months before the new season came out. So, I don't know if they're just going to wait until the summer errata, like sometime in like August or September. But usually they wait about six months before they do an errata. So, I think it's just one of those things where people are just going to have to deal with it and just, you know, try to work those games out the best you can. Yeah, I just just want to know. I'd like to know more of the thought process of designing the captains and kind of and kind of how how the play testing and the design works more it'd be fun to have a steam forge guy on to talk about that and then and then trying to balance them how they 
you know, all the well, process of that. I don't know if they're well, going to so like, reveal that. Like, just yeah, because, no. I, because I feel like no matter what yeah. they reveal on that, people bitch about it. Yeah, it's it, just yeah. going to be a bitch fest. Like, like I, I well, wouldn't want to reveal it because, like, no matter what, people are going to cry, right? Like, right now, it's just like there's at least the there's at least the concept of like oh well they're trying to balance it but any explanation of how they're trying to play test and balance it people are going to nitpick that it isn't good enough in some area like like i well, i wouldn't I mean, do that the, if I were them the the process is i mean it's pretty simple process they do it basically of a, a few different ways they can either just play test it in house which they've done with some things or they have play testers that they can either bring in or they can send it out to play testers and be like, hey, give us feedback on this and let us know. So it just depends on how much time they want to spend play testing it before they release it. So I think it's pretty obvious when they don't play test something well enough. Like the miners thing, just there's no way that was play tested enough. It just that got pushed out so quick that they couldn't have spent that much time doing that. What about that board? Would you think that board got pushed out too quickly and was it play tested enough? I, I think the captains did get pushed out pretty quick. I feel like them and miners just kind of got thrown out real quick. Like, hey, surprise, check this out. And yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was play tested, you know, quite enough as it should have been. So I think that what you're saying is, if they don't play test something, it comes out and people have fun playing it. But if they over play test it, like the cooks, then it comes out and then it's sucky. Yeah, because if you take too long, and whether that's their fault or not with shipping issues and all that other stuff. Well, no, but they uh, have tweaked them since then. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like it's one of those things where, yeah, if you wait too long, you might miss the miss the boat, and then you have what we have. I kind of I kind of liked it. Minor guilds started sucking at first, and then got better because they're like a minor guild. They shouldn't be as good as a major guild, right? I thought it was kind yeah, of... they, they take they take a little more work, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the AAA team isn't going to beat the major league team. And I'm telling you, like, and the thing is, like, it takes a little more work, but the more I play Rats, the more I'm just like, yeah, they're, like, if you're not ready for this, you're going to get caught with some jank from the Rats. It's just, they're pretty interesting. Same with a lot of minor guilds. Right. Can I just, can I just switch and ask a question here? Is it sure. a bitching How question? Do... No, how do they fix? How do they fix honor? Because she her win rate's twenty five percent right now. That's oh, good. make her make her stuff cheaper. That's what, that one's easy. I think so. Just like superior strategy for like three or something for like two. two. <laughs> so then you can superior strategy some shit, and then actually go in and get some work done. Right now, if you use superior strategy, she doesn't do jack shit. Like it's it's really easy to fix her. You just make her stuff cheaper. Right, like. So she has superior strategy for two. That brings her up to playable. Well, you know, here's the thing, right? So if you're looking at it, she does just about as much damage as Corbelli does. So Corbelli's a better striker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, why do you bring on her instead of Corbelli? That's my question. Right. I mean, I'm not saying you bring her at all. I'm saying there's no reason. I just want to know how you fix her because she's what the first lady of Guild Ball or some shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, she's supposed to be like this. I mean, she's crippled now, but. Right. I mean, she's supposed to be this badass, like, you know. Wow, way to make this way to make this dark, Pete. I know, sorry. Well, she's 25% win rate. Okay, so so if I were to fix Honor, if I were to try to yeah. make them give her acro- give her acrobatics instead of quick time. Okay. Give her acrobatics instead of quick time. 
Make superior strategy cheaper. We can debate whether that means two or three, right? But make it cheaper. And then I would give her assist marbles and assist harmony. What if instead of doing all that, you made her a 5-7 influence? I think that would make I think that would make the other models a little bit broken. I'd almost be okay if she was a little faster too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind her. I wouldn't mind her closer to like a uh, fillet, like a a seven nine. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to see another model in the game have seven influence gap. (laughs) Yeah, and then she could do she could do a little work and still do superior strategy. Yeah, and I mean the thing that used to be cool about her was her legendary, right? Because you could put extra influence on there, so maybe. Since you can't give that extra influence above like you used to, maybe you do make her a 5-7 just so she can get a little more work done. Yeah. Because, I mean, on her legendary turn in Season 3, you could essentially give her 7 influence. Right. And, I mean, you could really do some work with that. I mean, when you were doing, like, 3 damage on 2 hits, because if you had, like, marbles on the model or you had her tooled up... I mean, you could really do some work with Honor and just take a model. And it's like, oh, I barely just didn't kill this model. Let me go ahead and link to activate with the sister, and now I could definitely kill you. Yeah. There you go, Bryce. There's my idea to fix Honor. I want to make, I want to see her at 5-7. Play, yeah. play test that. <laughs> yeah, she does. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like she's seeing no, no play time because just the other captains do what she does but better. Right, I mean, she's seen some. She's got a, and since what, what I got here, since March, she's seen 105 games, which isn't terrible. Well, don't we notice that in general, the models that like in the fluff get killed or crippled, don't they generally kind of get sucky and not really paid attention to? I don't know. Who's, I don't even know who's dead. Like, I mean, like I mean, th- Grace, think of- Grayscales is still pretty good. Well, what about like Snakeskin Forever was like terrible after Snakeskin got yeah, killed but, in season one. Yeah, but she's pretty good now. Pretty damn good now. Well, fi- well, the finally they have, had to do something, but like, yeah, Venom's good. I mean, Venom's dead, right? Yeah, or if he's dead, sure. I mean, I, I don't think that that means anything when they die that they suck, but uh, I just you know, feel you like could, they're you out probably, of sight, out of mind a little bit. Well, you could definitely remove her from the Masons lineup, and I don't know if too many people would be sad about it. <laughs> yeah. When you got Corbelli and Hammer as your two captain options. Corbelli's at 55% win rate, by the way, just, just in case you guys want to know. He, he's a beast. Uh, Corbelli finished, well, I shouldn't say Corbelli alone, but Masons finished one and two at the uh, Spanish Nationals. One and two? Yeah, first and second. Oh, places for us. I mean, like, I was like... No, 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 no. They went first and second at the Spanish uh, Nationals. I feel like Corbelli's win rate should be a lot higher, but I do recognize that he's maybe a little bit harder to use. He's less point and click than Vet Boar. Yeah, Yeah. definitely going to be a learning curve with him. Yeah, in the top nine, there were four Masons that finished at the Spanish Nationals in the top nine. Oh man! And I'm seeing a lot of core belly to being dropped. Hey, look, there's an honor win. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep, it. and that's how we got back to 25. percent Yep, that one <laughs> win right there. No, but I'm seeing a lot of Dr. J faces when I'm looking at the rounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, it's it. I'm going to be interested to see where they go to see if this is okay. If they're going to let Vet Boar continue to be a thing, or if in uh, 
five months they're going to say, okay, yeah, we do need to tone him down a bit. I also wonder if in five months if they're going to stop running their new games through Kickstarter and just put them out like a normal company. And I was a little kind of... I'm, I'm like, why at this point do we need to do a Kickstarter, right? Because, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like they've been... You know, Guild Ball kind of got them going. They just got this big infusion of, you know, finances. And it's just at, at this point, it's like when you make that kind of decision and you're working with that gaming company, it's like, do you really need a Kickstarter from the public to help fund this? And honestly, I've heard enough horror stories from the... Um, Dark Souls Kickstarter where it's like I don't know if I'd want to go into that venture yeah I, I, I just couldn't imagine like other companies that are of comparable size or presence as Steamforge using Kickstarter that often yeah I mean because like I said Dark Souls was a Kickstarter they did a Kickstarter for um, God tier they do a kick. Yeah, they did for God tier, but did they do one for the Dungeons and Doggies? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know about that, but I, I think, think they did I, one for I Resident think they Evil did it for too. The critical ro- yeah, they did it for Critical Role as well. I don't know. It's it, it just seems weird to me with a company that's you know been that successful, kind of building a brand. Yeah, especially so quickly. But I don't know. I, I just couldn't imagine like you know Privateer Press everything that they come out with. They don't always Kickstarter it. Well, like I said, it'd be different, you know, if there was a history of, you know, non-issues. But the fact that, you know, I've I've seen so many issues with the Kickstarters being released and getting stuff on time. And then even just the Guild Ball releases, I'm like, I I don't know if I'd kind of invest in that. I mean, I'm not anyways because I'm not a big, like, board game guy. But, you know, it's just not something I would invest in personally. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about our our hobby aspects here. So a lot of times people don't talk about, you know, hobby stuff. And since it's kind of a, a dull period in the uh, in the release of Guild Ball stuff, I figured it's a good time to kind of just talk about some of the things we do as hobbyists and some of the things that uh, so maybe some tricks we know and some things we think about while we're kind of getting these getting these minis onto, you know, basically being alive on the pitch or whatever other game you play. So kind of the first thing is when you look at these Steamforge models I'm going to start with you Chris you don't you don't like just the plain bland bases you you tend to always kind of church up your bases a bit yeah I I feel like if I go with the the preformed bases that it always looks a little bit more static and I feel like then my I get that if I always make them like a field and I always make them a grass pitch, like it'll look like gill ball. It'll look like they're playing a sport, but I usually like to try and make the base capture more of the, uh, more of the feel and the theme and the presence of the guild. So like with my, with my hunters, I wanted something that looked like it was more in nature than just, a guild ball pitch and especially with the falconers those ones i was like okay well they're kind of up in the air so falconers high up i i wanted something that looked like they were in the mountains so i i built all of those bases with cork and i just kind of built them up higher to where i had like two three levels of cork 
to where it looked like they were they had a higher presence on the field. Yeah, so I mean, I like the way that you base, but I will say this before we kind of go into this a little bit more that if you're not good at basing, so you're like one of those people where it's like, man, I just I hate this. I can't make my bases look good. Guild Ball's like almost the perfect game for that cuz you could literally just flock grass on there and then maybe paint like a white stripe and then boom, you're done. I really like I you know, I'm not big into basing, but I really like micro art studio stuff. I've got a lot of their bases and they've they've been really nice. Cause it's simple, paint it up real quick, boom, glue it on. Are there. those are those resin bases? Uh, I think so. So um, what are some of the what are some of the bases you got from them, John? That you know, um, I did like I found like an old you know, I painted my masons kind of Roman centurion style, and I found one that had like the Spartan helmets and like spears and stuff on the like on some bricks. Okay. Um, I've got another one that's got like bricks and like grates in the ground. I did from an alchemist that I'm gonna have kind of have like poison or something oozing into the grapes yeah and so if you do have like and that's that's also why i like guild ball because if you if you don't like basing you can buy resin bases and since guild balls you're only having like 12 to 16 models usually you know you can buy that many bases for like 30 40 bucks maybe yeah. and they look they look really good when you put your models on top of them See, secret weapon can, is also another one that i would I would say yeah. I really like that the options that they have. They have ones that, you know, look like, you know, cobbles for something like the Masons or, you know, uh, Graveyard for the Morticians or whatever it is. Like, uh, yeah, there are multiple companies, and I like that Guild Ball has kind of normal size bases that are easy to find. Yeah, and be on the lookout, too, if you're a big resin base fan. Supposedly, I've, I've heard this. I haven't seen anything from Broken Toad. But the Kickstarter Broken Toad did for their resin bases, which are amazing. Be on the lookout because I think sometime in the next year they're going to release those. So be on the lookout for those. And I'll definitely put that information out as soon as I hear it because I've been waiting. I wanted to get in on the Kickstarter, but I just I couldn't quite put the money into it. And those bases are super sweet. So if you're big into resin basins, there are a lot of good companies that put that stuff out there. I, re I really like Broken Toad stuff as well. I think that they do it. A great job. So, but let's just say, Chris, that we don't, we want more than grass and we don't quite want to splurge on these resin bases. So what can we do to make our bases kind of look cool and, you know, a little more dynamic? Yeah. So I go down to a place like Hobby Town or Michael's or wherever you like, uh, depending on your political affiliations, I guess. And uh, <laughs> I go down there and they have these like cork tiles that look like a floor tile. So it's like a foot square. And I've got cost you cost you like five bucks maybe. Yeah, and 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 I I've gotten only one of these packs. It usually has like you know maybe four tiles in it, and then you can literally just tear off pieces. And then what I kind of do is I kind of arrange them before I start gluing them down. I arrange them to kind of see where I can make it look like there's kind of levels and steps or where I can make a backside line up with another piece to where it looks kind of natural. Um, and then I put those bases on. Um, I think a really good rule of thumb is to make sure that the bottom of it fits within the circle of the, of the base to where it's like within the lip. Because I find that when it goes over the edge of the lip and... Um, you, you have problems with maneuvering models and those types of things. So if you want to go over the lip, don't do it on like the bottom level of those, that rock formation, do it as it kind of builds up higher. 
so that you don't have it affecting the base or and it also makes it easier to stick on to the base and stay there so just a yeah, little didn't tip you, didn't you play somebody that had colossus and they were like on a metal extended base yeah so and and that one like i can understand why they did it that colossus model is a pain in the ass to try and fit on a base um, yeah. But they basically made it to where, like, there was almost like a, uh, almost like a back arc slash quarter arc that stuck out over the backside, and it was they they did a reasonable job with it to where they made sure to put it on the back so it's not interfering with the front of the model as much. But yeah, it still on occasion had a little bit of a a little bit of a frustrating you know interaction on occasion so I, I usually don't like to do it that way like especially when it's that lowest level um when i do it i want it to be a little bit higher because usually then you can fit another model base to base with it and those types of things matter in this game whether it's base to base or exactly an inch you know those measurements have an effect so um i'll do it that way i'll kind of try and line it up first before i glue it and then um, I'll put the model in and depending on how the model sits, sometimes I'll actually like dig out a little bit of a footprint to fit the model in to the piece so that when I glue it, it'll be a little bit more stable. Other people use like a, they can, you can pin a model's foot or whatever you're comfortable yeah, I was with. I going to say, if, if you have like a small drill for like models, cork is actually really easy to pin models to. So I, if you have any skill with that, I recommend that because it's it makes it more solid and more likely to stay on there. Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, if I just kind of like, you know, actually dig in a little bit of a footprint there or whatever, I, I usually don't have too much of a problem. And then um, normally I do like the basing, the grass or the gravel or snow or whatever I'm doing last. Yeah. But that piece, the cork itself... I put the model on with it, and then I, I will, uh, bait, I'll prime it all together. Yeah, and something else that people can try if you're just doing basing and you're kind of, there's some really good basing tutorials out there, and I'll post some uh, up on Twitter just just to have people check it out. But something I like doing is when I base, I use a lot of rocks, and then I put grass and flock overneath it, and then maybe some bushes and stuff. Uh, what I like doing is I put kind of big rocks on the base first, and then I glue those down. And when I say big, I don't mean like huge boulders. I just mean like, you know, just kind of like bigger stones. And you just put them on the base, and then you put the fine gravel around it. That way it looks like you have a mix of bigger stones and smaller stones. And then like you said, Chris, prime it, paint it up. And then I use patches of grass to kind of put around. So I don't like it when there's grass like fully covering all the gravel and stuff. I like a lot of the rocks to show through and then i'll put like little vines or i'll put like a bush in there and it just makes the base look more dynamic and and like i said I'll, i definitely can post some pictures for people to see but it just makes the it makes it look a lot more dynamic when you have something on there besides just grass yeah the things that you want to kind of think about is like what what's gonna be on top of the other right so um usually when you're looking at it for instance let's say you're wanting to put like dead grass or do a, a feature like that the dead grass flock is going to be on the bottom and then you're going to put live grass over some of that because that live grass will like grow through the dead grass right yeah. and, and then it's the same with the rock thing right like you're going to put the big rock down and then the other smaller rocks are going to kind of be sprinkled around that 
um, you know, as things break off or whatever. The, the same concept with, you know, you put the grass on top of the gravel a little bit, uh, you know, because that's how it's going to grow, right? And so you just kind of have to think about in nature where things are going to be and what's going to be on top of the other. And also, if you're new at basing, something else I would recommend is Games Workshop actually makes a lot of really good basing kits. Like they'll have yes. like a winter themed one or they'll have like a desert one. And they'll have everything in there, like from the flock to bits to gravel to different size stone. So if you're newer to basing, I would recommend a kit like that just because it gives you everything and you can kind of play around with it. Yeah, Secret Weapon does the same thing. There are multiple companies that do like kits for city streets or snowy whatever. Um, there, there's all sorts of really cool options out there for all of yeah, that. And, and the last thing I want to do on basing before we move on to the next part of hobbying is, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the same company I believe that makes green stuff, they basically made this roller. And what you do is you put the green stuff on the base, almost like you're going to do an insert, and you roll this pin over it. And depending on which rolling pin you buy, it has a different texture to it. So some of them are like bricks, like city bricks. Some of them are like ruins. And you basically just roll it over the green stuff and it makes the base for you. So I saw that and I thought that was really cool as well. That sounds sweet. Send me a link to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and post a bunch of it up. Yeah, because, yeah on Twitter. Send me a link. <laughs> I'm, talking to the, I'm talking to the people, John. I'll send you the link. Fuck them. It, <laughs> It's really cool. If you haven't seen it, I'm definitely going to show it to everybody because it, it. when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm all about right here. Yeah, and those those rollers, the cool thing about them is depending on where you're rolling, it'll, it'll have like a theme to the roller, but depending on how you roll it, like you can get different patterns. Yeah, so it's like you have these different bases. It's not just the same one over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. I, I really, I saw that and I was like, that is pretty sweet. So, oh, one last thing that I do want to mention, though, just because of safety reasons, um, if you're ever going to use something specifically like don't, don't eat green stuff, yeah, don't be very careful if you're using crushed glass. A lot of people use crushed glass for uh, snow bases. If you breathe that stuff in, it can really mess you up. So, for those people that are doing it, like it's worth getting like a mask when you're dealing with your crushed glass specifically. You may want to do a line, but don't do a line. <laughs> do not. Do not. <laughs> All right. So moving on to that's kind of Chris, Chris's specialty, and that's why I wanted to talk about that. Plus, there's just a lot of cool things you can do with basing. So next thing that we have, though, is kind of I'll kind of say this is like theming. Like, OK, I'll, you, you have these models and you have to figure out how you're going to paint these. And you got to figure out, like, OK, do I want to do a goal? What do I want the ball to look like? And it's really easy to do just studio theme, you know, paint jobs. But what's the fun in that, right? You know, if you're in it for the hobby part, you want to kind of church it up a little bit. So <laughs> What is this church it up saying? I'm not familiar with this. You know, you want to get fancy. You want to put the Sunday best on. You know, you want to... You want well, to think about a church. Like, they always make it more ornate, right? Like, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. So, anyways, John, when you look at your faction when you get it, you get the models put together... How do you generally decide, like, okay, what am I going to do with these models? What am I going to do for a goal? Uh, there's no decision-making process, and I just sit there and stare at them until something comes up. Yeah. <laughs> really, I mean, that's really about it, what it is. I don't, have, okay. I don't have a process. It's really just me sitting around thinking, watching TV. So, but 
I think generally speaking, though, at least for me, when I really get into painting something, and I think that's people look at painting as almost like a chore. But when you really dig the theme, it, it's like you almost get excited to paint, right? Oh, yeah. Last, so, like, so I would recommend people finding a theme that you just really are jonesing for. Yeah, like last time I painted my hunters, I was watching Game of Thrones. It was like, dude, I'm making the hunter White Walkers. Yeah, because you already had hunters painted up. Yeah, and I sold them and got new hunters and repainted the whole thing. Yeah, so you ended up, and how did, I got to ask you this because a lot of people have asked me. So you did like the kind of like frozen crystal weapons. How did you end up getting that effect on your on your hunter models for being White Walkers? Um, I cut most of the weapons, like the blades off the weapons, and remade the blade out of hot glue. So is that just hot glue? That's the, the way you got that effect? Yeah, most of them. Were, I mean, some of the blades are just painted. Like I have a metallic blue that I mixed with like a silver metallic and kind of got that color. And then the ones that actually look like clear ice or the blade is like, like Theron's, I made this, like the Night King spear with Theron. I cut like I actually straightened his bow out and cut the top of the bow off and made a hot glue blade so it'd be clear and painted it. Kind are of are you talking about the Olympian javelin throwers? Yeah, man, you're talking gold, med- <laughs> gold medalist winner javelin throwing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's all hot glue. It bends, and I just kind of like washed it with blue and then like a little light dry brush and blue, and it's kind of so it gets like, kind of clear, and then I like put a glaze over it. I guess whatever it's called. So. You decided to make those white walkers so how did you then come up with your idea for a goal and what's the goal that you did come up with um i watched game of thrones <laughs> and it was at the end of season seven where the dragon blew up the wall so i had like from our D and had some of those we had the pack of the like you'd have like a wall of ice or wall of fire so i took one of the pieces of the wall of ice i was like there's the wall and bought a little dragon and said fuck it I've gotta put an led light in it made the light Made some like hot glue fire from the dragon going into the I ice wall. You had, I thought you had a different goal that you made for them. Oh, I had the first dragon with the fire coming out, but now, now it's a it's the dragon destroying the ice dragon destroying the wall. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? You first should one, really make it one. is Arya jumping out from the middle of nowhere. Well, <laughs> if I start playing hunters again, maybe I will. <laughs> so, so, I'm yeah, so I'm on I actually want to. engineer school. I actually want to ask John a question here because John, you do LEDs and those types of stuff in your goals, and to most people, they see that and that's like a real fancy effect. But I know that you have a way that you do it that's relatively simple. So, can you kind of educate yeah, the people it. on how that how you do that easily? So the easiest way to do it, I bought a big pack of like LEDs on eBay, and they're really just like a light, and you twist the bottom and it turns on. I usually drill a hole in the bottom of the goal and shove the light up in there, and then like, so like the like the wall of ice, I had to actually like extend the the bottom, so I had something down coming out of the bottom of the goal I could just screw and turn it on. Okay. But the new like I was playing around with the order the other day, and I was making a ball of light, and I literally I actually took a LED apart and took the light bulb and kind of ran reran the wires down to the battery so I could make them touch the battery and turn the ball of light on and off. The easiest way is just find lights that like twist on and off. Or have like some kind of switch to turn on off. Just glue them bitches in there and just leave them hanging out the bottom so you can twist them on. Yeah, it almost seems like if you throw an LED, your chances of winning best goal go up like 30% or something. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's just the visual effect of it. Yeah, right. Makes it look good. I, I like what people are doing with the ball of light, how they're putting LEDs inside a ball. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I had to play with. It. That, that was really a big reason I wanted to play Orders because like, man, ball of light's like badass. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a really cool thing. And and I think, like I said, kind of going on with kind of like theming your faction, I think having a non-generic goal really does kind of build, like bring your team together more. Um, because like the team, the teams that I don't have a custom goal for, I really kind of like, well, you know, this is kind of bland and boring. I need to figure something out. Cause like I, I got the rat catchers goal that came with the team, but I feel like I need something else there. Like, I don't know what I would do for the rat catchers, but it, I feel like it needs to be something else. You could get the, you could get the game mousetrap and get the mousetrap out of it. That would be pretty cool. Do like a little <laughs> cheese thing there when actually have it where the mousetrap works. Yeah. I think I need to do that. I mean, Can I get a mouse? Well, I know one of my favorite goals Saturday. that John did was the one where the hunter's goal that was like a deadfall <laughs> trap. Yeah, that was before we like really knew John and we, we met him at a Greenville tournament. And he was like, oh, yeah, it actually works. And he pulled the little stick and the box closed. Oh, yeah. There was that, that was hilarious. He had the little carrots under the box. <laughs> yeah, that was and neat. You could put... And you put scum underneath it. Yeah, that's good. You could actually trap scum under the box. Yeah, I mean, most of my goals have come up because I, I kind of like woodworking. I'm not great with woodworking all, but I, I like woodworking. So most of them are made out of little pieces of wood that I cut up and nail or glue or something. Like, I'm, I'm making, I'm fucking around with an engineer's goal right now, and it's made up of, you know, base of a little bit of woodworking, and it's got to move somehow. Yeah, and goals just, I'm telling you, goals just make the thing fun. Like, a little shout out to Brad Moreland. I mean, his with the grinder that he made for his butchers, it actually looks like a grinder, and there's bits going into it, and there's blood coming out of the front of it. That was a really cool goal I saw. Um, yeah, and then the Donkey Kong goal from the minor player at Spring Fling, that was really cool to see. Oh, if I play it, butchers again, my fountain will, will pump blood. Yeah, yeah, if we didn't have to fly, John's butcher goal was actually going to pump blood through it. Had more than three point four ounces of liquid in it. Though. Yeah, and and by that we mean like literal human blood. Yeah, yeah. that gets sacrificed. I did cut myself quite a few times making it. <laughs> I'm careless with an exacto knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. I don't know. Probably my favorite themed faction is actually my hunters. I kind of painted those up to be like night elves from world of warcraft they got kind of like purplish skins yeah um they look very druidy i made very forest like bases for them with very thick you know foliage and stuff so it's just i i like it when i get a theme because it just helps me kind of go through and paint and you get excited yeah i really don't like painting but i enjoy building the goals obviously because i have like seven different goals and and that's why when people sometimes talk about picking a faction I, I, I try to feel the person out because if I can tell they're excited about models, I'm like, yeah, just pick the models that you like then, right? It's not all about winning. It's about also how you feel about the look and kind of what the models do and, you know, just how much fun you can have with the aesthetics of the game. Yeah. So you finally get this. You figure out what you're going to do, and then you got to paint these bastards up. Or pay somebody to. Or you pay somebody yeah, like to if you're not. Yeah, like beast mode hobby. painting, if any of you ever heard of them. <laughs> very yeah. inexpensive or, and very fast. Or buy plastics and don't paint them at all. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, tip, let me ask you guys because you guys you guys paint, but sometimes, you know, you guys look at it more like a chore. But, I mean, do you guys feel like it takes too long for you to paint these models up? Me personally, yes. Yeah. I suck, though, and I'm slow. Okay. Um, what about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I... 
see, I, I get into this kind of trap where I think that I'm like a pretty decent painter now, but like I take way too much time trying to do like these little details that then aren't appreciated like when they're just kind of sitting amongst everyone else's and so I feel like I have a trouble I, maybe I have too realistic of a style of painting to where it doesn't like have that pop effect that I think a lot of people are looking for with like really high contrast and so um, I, I enjoy painting when I'm doing it getting my paints out and getting all set up that's what I don't enjoy and then Obviously, that means that there are lots of times where I'm not painting when I should get something painted. Yeah. So. I'm just tired of fucking painting belts. <laughs> why, why, why are you sick of belts? Because there's so many freaking belts. Where's the belt maker or the leather workers guild? That's the next minor. I also hate, like... I hate, like, doing the base coating. Like, I, I, like, I like doing the little details. Like, I'd rather be painting eyeballs... <laughs> I've never painted an eye. And be doing like blood effects and you know, so, stuff like that. Let me ask you guys this. What is your preference in priming your models? Because I think that's a big difference on like how you how you paint and how quickly you can paint the models. Uh you mean what color? Like like do you prime yeah, like black, grey, white, what? Black, black, black. I generally paint grey. I generally prime grey. Because then I feel like I can go either direction with it. So I prime white, so I'm kind of curious to hear, like, John, why do you like priming black? Like, what's the purpose of that? Because then I'll just leave half the shit black. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of just build up what you want and then just leave the rest kind of in re recess. Yeah, when I can't decide on what color the pants are, oh, well, guess what? They're black. <laughs> <laughs> and I do tell people black is easier to hide your mistakes. Yeah, that's so when a new So when a new person is, like, painting, I'm like, yeah, prime black. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing. I've, I've primed white before, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah. And there's and some of the little details, but I don't get into the little details. When they're white, they stand out. When they're black, they don't stand out. Okay, so Chris, why do you like priming gray then? Uh, I, I, I like that I can go in either direction, right? So, like, I can bring it down to, like, a darker color, and I do like a lot of dark colors in my painting typically, which might be part of my problem with, like, the contrast elements. Um, and then I like that I can bring it up to a brighter color if I want to go that direction too. So I, I just feel like it's a good catch-all universal color to use. Yeah, and so I prime white, and the reason why I like white is because you could really make those colors brighter. Like, they just pop more. Um, obviously, the negative of that is sometimes you have to layer more. Um, when I say layer more, it's kind of like... You, you have to get the recesses and you have to make sure all the whites kind of covered up and then you have to build off of that brightness so it, the models come out brighter but I also think it allows me to paint quicker because you can put washes over that and it'll tone the brightness down and then you can build it back up with just one layer and a quick highlight and then you're done so I think priming white has allowed me to speed paint a lot faster because I get the colors that I want faster and sometimes you don't quite get the amazing highlights and the amazing paint jobs that you know you would get otherwise but i just feel like the colors are brighter and it allows me to paint quicker with washes and everything else so um if you like using washes i would actually go white just because you can i think you can get the effects you want a little better i almost feel like when you wash a black 
primed model that sometimes you don't even get the effects you want out of that because I don't think you need it I think you could just build up off of black prime models so um, yeah so let me uh, ask you last... this question this important painting question have yeah. you ever poisoned yourself by drinking out of your paint cup instead of your coffee mug or whatever uh, once or twice <laughs> I've I've you know, definitely picked it up. I, what happens more often, though, is I clean my paintbrush off in my drink. <laughs> that happens more than the other thing. The last time I bought something from Discount Games, I saw they had like a Citadel water pot on sale on clearance for like four bucks, and I bought it. It's freaking awesome. I don't have to worry about yeah. that anymore. Yeah, um, I use something completely the- different. I use like a jar, so it's nothing like what I am drinking out of. Yeah. So one thing I did want to ask you guys, have you guys seen these Citadel contrast paints that they're releasing? Everyone's talking about those fucking things. Not me. (laughs) So apparently what they do is they tend to basically they blend your colors better. Okay. Like that's the, that's the thing. Like when you're layering and highlighting, sometimes you see a very drastic change from like, let's say you did a very dark red, but then you also put orange for like highlights and there's not, a good blend into that it's just a harsh highlight hmm. well what the what these are supposedly supposed to do is they basically help you blend your colors so it's like a more smooth transition how do they do that alien technology uh, yeah right um so what they say is i'm gonna i got it pulled up here uh include yeah, blah 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 old paints blending type of paint that will dry very slowly so I guess the fact that it dries slowly allows it to blend into the different like high and low colors that you have. Um, let's see here. Paints that dry okay. slowly. I don't know if that's very appealing to many people. Yeah. Right. So basically, so basically, what it is is the paints dry so slowly that it kind of forces wet blending techniques. Is what I'm what I'm hearing or understanding it to mean. Uh, getting blah, blah blah. Let me just. I'm kind of like reading through this as I'm kind of getting all the, the stuff off of it. Basically, since it dries slowly, you don't get the puddling that you get with washes a lot of times. Um, let's see here. Yeah, and I I guess it's just it helps you blend a little better. So it's kind of like what washes did. You know how washes get into the, the creases, and it kind of helps bring out the details. Well, this is going to help blend your colors so it transitions better, supposedly. And I'm just kind of interested to see how that goes. I hear they're expensive as shit. I mean, paints for Citadel are generally... Well, yeah, but I heard they're like double. (laughs) So here's one of the things that they said, and this was apparently like an Adepticon. They said... Uh, if you've got a tournament in two weeks and just need to add the latest unit to your army, Contrast is for you. If you're just looking to save some time and get gaming in, Contrast is for you. <laughs> what? So, uh, so, so Contrast it, is it, for everybody? Yeah, yeah apparently. Right. I mean, not for everybody, because some people put a lot of time into their freaking models. I'll tell you what, anytime I've talked with people that are like winning paint job type people, and I asked them, I've started asking like, well, what sort of paints do you use? Mm-hmm. And almost universally, I get told, and, and this is by people that don't work for like a specific company, right? Like people that don't have like a bias. I get told Reaper miniatures paints. 
Yeah. Like Reaper paints. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna start getting them, but apparently, like they flow kind of more smoothly, and they they're a little bit thinner, so like you get better layers in there. Um, I, I I'm gonna give them a try. So, and I'm just looking at the picture. So traditionally, kind of the way that you would do model or painting, right? You would base it in a color, you'd wash it. You'd put on some highlights and some other technical things that you'd want to do to it that could include highlighting dry brushing whatever and with the contrast paint it takes out i guess the shading and some of the other steps that you would want to do with it to kind of blend the colors because all they do here is they just have the contrast paint go on and then basically you put on any technical paint and it's ready to go so it's like you're cutting out a lot of the highlighting and a lot of the washing that you would have to do to a model it looks like mm. So, and it's it's not like a super detailed paint job, but it actually looks pretty good. Like it, it looks like it has those different layers that you need you need to do three and four steps. This is apparently takes it down to like one or two. I wonder if this is one of those things that like this sounds like one of those discoveries by accident type inventions where it's like they were coming up with some new paints and they're like these are drawing slow as shit. And then one person in the uh, in the studio noticed like you know what. The fact that these are drying really slow actually kind of makes it easier to create contrast in them. Yeah. What did they spill in their paint to make this happen? Yeah, right? And like, what, what accident caused these? Um, radiation. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, be on the lookout for that. I'm going to try them when they come out. I, I'm hearing people already talking about them, so I think they're coming out relatively soon if they're not out already. Um, so, yeah. I think they said May June time frame is when you can expect them. Screw that! I'm just gonna save my money and send models to Barry, Wat- uh, Barry Watkins. Uh, you'll never guess how much this weight, this much cost though. What? Uh, so I'm seeing a price on there for seven dollars and eighty cents. Yeah, it's like double. Uh, not quite double. I think a regular pot of paint costs like about four fifty. I I I would have said four dollars, but seven seven eighty is you know. Yeah, and I, yeah, you're you're not totally wrong there. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, I just, and hopefully they're like not I in said, those shitty Citadel paint pots, which I know they will be. Yes, they are. <laughs> so it's a good thing they dry slow, since they're going to dry out in those shitty paint pots. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's one thing that, and this is the last thing I think we'll talk about with hobbying is. I had a lot of people talk to me about how they actually wouldn't mind painting, but it can be expensive to get all the hobbying stuff. So I don't know if you guys have any recommendations for somebody who's like, hey, I'm brand new. I want to paint, but how do I get started with getting all this stuff together? Like, do I go in and get an airbrush or do I get like some kind of starter? Do not get an airbrush to start. (laughs) Unless you have airbrush skills already, I definitely would kind of. Yeah, mirror that. Yeah, that. so, okay. If I were getting somebody started, and I actually recently did get someone started. Um, okay. What you want to do is, obviously, like, there are nicer brushes out there, but you probably want to go to, like, a hobby store or even a place like Walmart and just get a pack of brushes that have varying sizes and shapes to them um, so that you can then have something that you can use for dry brushing or you know small little detail work and they're going to be shitty brushes but you're going to destroy them anyway because you're new so 
yeah. like don't kill yourself over it right and like those sets of brushes are going to be like a handful of dollars like it, it's not something that's going to be yeah expensive. you can get a pack of them for like six seven bucks yeah then i would probably recommend getting like a predetermined paint set like one of those packs that you can buy on amazon um of reaper or vallejo or whomever that has like 20 paints in them yeah and that's usually a pretty good way to go and then i'd make sure that you get some uh you you're gonna need some glue and you're gonna need some hobby clippers is where i would start eventually you can add stuff like a file set files aren't very expensive at like hobby lobby um and so you can get clippers i guess you could use toenail clippers but i cheaper yeah but but the hobby clippers i think are going to be more effective at getting the angles and things that you yeah want. and if you if you have an exacto knife you want that too to help trim off the flash and stuff yeah um i think that i don't like using the zip kicker i know you do pete um i think that yeah. zip kickers it is, is cancerous though so be careful when you're doing yeah what the hell is a zip kicker so basically there's this it's a spray and when you glue something, you hit the, it, I call it zip kicker, but it's really just uh, adhesive accelerant. Uh, and okay. and when you spray it, it, like it's a chemical reaction and it dries the glue within five seconds, which is awesome because it takes like no time to assemble stuff. But it is a chemical reaction. So if your finger has glue on it, you will get burned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, use, I use Gorilla Super Glue and that shit is fast anyways. And if you get that yeah. shit on your fingers... You will glue your fingers together. I, I use Gorilla Glue as well. I use the stuff with the blue cap. It's not a gel. It's an actual, like, regular glue. Um, I've, I'm very happy with it. Uh, and uh, I don't use a zip kicker. I, ca- I still can't decide whether or not I think zip kicker is a good recommendation for somebody that's new because when they don't have experience don't, putting models together, it helps get the model together. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's the problem is if you use it, and then you realize you made a mistake, it is a disaster to unglue it. Yeah, and and then if you get, like, a shitty one, like, it makes it so brittle that your models always want to break apart. Yeah, and so going back to the paint kits, though, I definitely would recommend those as a starter because you don't know what colors you want, and those kits give you a little bit of everything. Gale Force 9 actually made a D&D Monsters paint set, and it's about 65 bucks on like Amazon. And it gives you 29 different acrylic paints. It gives you two metallics, three washes, and two effects paints. So it gives you a good blend of stuff you would need to get yourself started and, and painting stuff at a decent quality. So I, I would recommend one of those paint kits and go with a hobby paint kit. Don't do like some, you know, like random Walmart paint thing. I, yeah, I like just, the test stores that, ones that are like glossy enamel yeah because i've seen people <laughs> use paints from walmart and it looks like horseshit something that you yeah it, it looks like you're you chromed out your army or some shit <laughs> you know uh it's not good so yeah i when it comes to paints i would definitely do a hobbying paint kit like the D set's perfect um guild ball a uh, steamforge actually put out one i haven't tried their paints though so i don't know if they're worth anything but they do have a kit I mean, I'm not great, but I, I use Vallejo, and usually I go to, I go to Hobby Lobby, and you get... Army Painter and Vallejo are very I, good. I like Vallejo. I use Vallejo a lot. 
Well, Hobby Lobby's got it, and you use the little Hobby Lobby coupon because they always have a 40% off coupon. Hell yeah. And I get like one paint every time I go there. Yep. 40% off. Yep. So, um, the other thing that I wanted to mention here is, uh, well, we got to tell John this story. Pete, do you remember when we went to go ki- kick it with the uh, 40K group, and there was that guy that wanted yeah. to, like, teach us about painting? <laughs> yeah. That we were both beyond his ability. <laughs> <laughs> so, this guy's like, now I'm going to teach you about a little something called liquid talent. And he, like, breaks out of his case this, like, bottle of wash. <laughs> like, saying, like, that... And, and, and it's true. Like, for somebody that's that's new, right? Like, slapping a wash on something does make it look better because it fills in those recesses and all those types of things. So, I guess, like, e- even though the guy was being, like, ridiculous from our perspective <laughs> and really, like, building up washes way beyond what I think they are... Um, I would also make that recommendation. Like, go get some washes. I probably still would hold that uh, GW Citadel makes the best washes. Um, And just get something that's like, if you're starting, right? Like, obviously, there's a place for every wash. But when you're starting, get just that Agrax Earthshade wash. Like, it's going to make your life easy. It can go with everything. Yeah, I was going to say, that is the money wash, and so is the Nolan Oil, the black Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the nice thing about the Agrax Earthshade is, like, you can really use it with anything. Whereas the Nun Oil, like, if you use it with, like, a person's skin, it's going to, like, not look quite right. Yeah, and that's when you got to go back in and build it back up. And, yeah, yeah definitely the, the brown washes are really good. Yeah. So, I'd, I'd recommend that. Um one more thing, like, I, well, I know Pete's painted way more models than John. What are your favorite models to paint? Um, I know you paint mostly Guild Ball, but you painted everything. You painted, you know, GW. Yeah. You painted War Machine. Uh, my my favorite stuff to paint are big, big models. So, like, a lot of people get intimidated when you get a big model. So, like, in Guild Ball, probably the biggest model you're going to have is, like, I don't know, Catalyst or, you know, Scourge or something like that. And people can get intimidated by those big models, but they're really cool because you get to put so much more detail into them. And they're actually, for me, they're quicker to paint because you can hit surface, like the large surfaces, you can paint faster. Yep. Uh, So, so like, for example, I'm painting a lot of uh, Age of Sigmar stuff right now for a commission. And... There are some really cool, like there's this turtle that has like this big like ballista on its back with his crew on it. And a lot of people would be intimidated by that, but then you get so much texture with the shells and, you know, there's a lot of character in the face and you have these guys that are like whipping it to, you know, zoom across, you know, the ocean floor or whatever the hell they're doing. And it's just, it's really cool to pull all those details out of a big model. Sometimes when you paint small models all the time, there's just not that much detail for you to pull out. And sometimes it gets lost in the model, and I just like those big models a lot. A lot of monstrous models. So, like when I played War Machine and Hordes, I love the you know werewolf models and the trolls, just because there's a lot more character in those. When people like the sci-fi stuff and the tanks, but I really enjoy more fantasy-based models, and that's when I really get into a lot of the paint painting that I do. Okay. Yeah. I just uh, you know I'm playing a little bit of Legion. I like painting stormtroopers. 
Prime them white? No, prime them black, and then you dry brush the fuck out of them white. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds awful. It's so that easy. Sounds it, it seems, no, it's, no. It, it seems easy. It looks good. No, dude. Dude, no. Come on. I promise you, it looks pretty good. Put, no, I put promise you. Black, we've put a black wash on we've them. We've seen them a white. lot of Legion get painted, and you can do I, it better. I, know. I, no, I, I, I actually saw this this tutorial. This girl, I couldn't tell you who it was now. She, like, primed them black. Like a dry brush and gray, like a gray, kind of build it up into a, like a real a white, and they look good. I, I'm not saying they don't, but if so I'm easy. like the easiest way to paint them quick is just prime the white, either a brown or a black wash, highlight white, done. Yeah, I like I like the way I did it. It's fun. I mean, I mean, you're right. I've seen yours. They they look good. Um, but but yeah, Pete's just saying you actually, could make them look better. Well, no, and actually, <laughs> I mean, now that now that John's saying this, I mean. Dry brushing actually is a fantastic way for people to start painting. Um, I dry brush at the beginning. Are... Like, yeah, I prime and, and then I dry brush because then it brings out all the details that, like... So, like, literally, it's like I have highlights to paint off of. Yeah, those are the high points of the model, right? So you can really pop those colors. Yeah, or you can just see little details in, like, the armor and stuff. So when you're planning out how you're going to paint it, like, it's yeah. not like you're going to forget this little detail that you like so when i paint when i paint models my favorite models to paint are metal models that have very clear details on them so you'll see like there are um infinity models that are that way the late season two early season three models of guild ball were that way like i love that uh vet brisket model with the really big eyes in it um, or the granite model that like yeah, it just had very it was like a very clear mold. I feel like metal's really easy to work with. I like the weight of it. Um, and then of course you know like the old classic favorite the Bushino models. Um, I obviously love those, Pete. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you guys this, and this will be the last thing, and then we'll we'll do any parting blows here. But so the last uh, thing before the is, last things. Got it. Okay. Yes. Last thing for the last thing. What actually? Fuck it. Let's make this the parting blow. <laughs> So, what what is your favorite model in Guild Ball? So, just the model on the pitch, painting it, put together. What what what's your favorite model that you've done? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think about this. <laughs> put your thinking caps on. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not any of these new resins or plastics. Actually, I think I know what it is. It, I was thinking seeing it first. I think my favorite model is Anvil. Okay. I love Anvil and the beard, and I'm really excited. I just got my corker. Corker is one of my favorite models now. Too. I love the big beards, the big burly guys. I like the art, you know, the shield on Anvil is really cool. I had fun painting Anvil, and I think he looks decent. Yeah. Which is a lot for me. Okay. What about you, Chris? What's your fa- favorite model you've painted and had on the pitch in Guild? Um, I think I, I really like that uh, Kickstarter rocks that I have. I think that that worked okay. out well. Like, that's where I kind of... I kind of had a good grasp on my basing. I feel like the skin on that model, like I I did a good job with it, but I also like the pose of it. It's more dynamic than the regular ox that's just standing there. Um, I like the size of it. I like that it's in metal. Um, That's that's probably my favorite model. Okay. I wish blacksmiths were metal. That'd be sweet. (laughs) They should be just by theme. Right. (laughs) Forged them in metal. Forged into metal. Yeah, I don't. I, Steel and iron. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally willing to pay for like more expensive models if they're in metal. 
Like I'm willing to yeah. pay for I'm willing to pay less for models that aren't in resin. <laughs> so I'll say probably my favorite model that I've painted in Guild Ball and just the way it turned out and it looks on the pitch is actually the Scourge model that I did for my rat catchers. And I'm not saying this just because I painted them, but I've always liked the way I did this. So if you look at Scourge, he has all these boils and stuff. So what I did is I painted them up and I painted these boils like purple around them. And I put like these little white dots in them to make them look like they're really screaming, you know. And then I put this cool water effect on all these boils and on the rat that he's eating out of his hand. And it just creates this cool, slimy, like disgusting look on him. And it's just, he's one of my favorite models and I just love his backstory and his fluff. And, and it just, it always ma- makes me really happy to see him on the pitch and just killing shit. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to call this one an episode, guys. I, I think we're going to have a good time at How's That? And put your drinking hats on because we're going. Oh, boy. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people are excited. I, I've been talking with Zach Gray and a couple other people coming in town. Who's coming just, in? Who, who is like, who are the, who's coming in that are like the highest rated guys nationally? And uh, McGraw. Okay. Yeah, Jared McGraw, Zach Gray, uh, what's his name? Zach Cohen, I think. Yeah, Cohen. Um, and I think that's it for out of like out of Southerners. Yeah, fuck you, Klein. <laughs> hey, he <laughs> bought a house. Leave him alone. <laughs> hey, if you can, he's moving. If you can buy a house, you can come to how's that. Yeah. <laughs> he had to make a choice, and I think he ended up choosing going to East Canadian Nationals. Uh, just because I think it would be cheaper on his finances, which is fine. It's fine. We're not judging. Speak for yourself. This is Rage Quit Wire. We judge the shit out of people. Screw you, Mikey. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely do an episode after How's That. We'll see how everything went. And we'll be sharing pictures. We'll be taking some videos. There are going to be some matches that are going to be recorded and put up on Momentous Inspiration. So definitely be looking out for a lot of content from How's That. And uh, go ahead and follow it on Longshanks. There's going to be some pretty good games on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Maybe we'll share what beers I've had throughout the day. Yeah, it's going to be... It's All gonna be I know time. is anybody that gets the pair down, I'm rooting for the one loss pair down or whatever because... So we only do six rounds? I don't want to do fucking seven rounds. At least it's not in one day like it was last year. That would have been yeah. rough. Yeah, but I am, seven but rounds, I, one day. But Ooh. I am excited to spend the night at John's house because he's a very good host. Not so much I'm John, but... <laughs> John's lady is a very good host. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I'm a little worried about Sunday because Saturday is going to be a fun time. Yeah, I've already (laughs) started hydrating. Yeah, I'm wondering about the condition we're all going to be in. I don't know. At least we got a DD. Yes, we do. Wait, is that me? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm riding riding with somebody over there. I'm not driving, so. (laughs) Okay, I'll take care of you guys. Yes. All right. With that, with that being said, make sure everybody uh, takes an Uber, a Lyft, gets a DD, so that way you can safely roll some dice and throw some salt. How's that? Oh, See y'all later. Later. <laughs>